I don't know when was the first time Ooh. that we met. It was a long time ago, but you know. I think we first met in Moscow at a circus <gasps> while lecturing. No, exactly at least four or five years ago. Yes, at yes. a yes. circus. Yes, we yes. were, were you lecturing out. at the circus. Or we had just finished lecturing, yes. and they took us out for a no night. No kidding. Of Revelry yes. and uh, took all the veterinary speakers out. Yeah, so I'm not sure I've heard very many. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say I met you at a circus in Moscow. That's true. You know, it was a very, very unique, unique beginning. That's yeah. where we tend to meet. You know, <laughs> you know we tend to meet in, in <laughs> strange locations. Strange and well, exotic locations. This is true. Um, veterinary speakers um, do tend to meet in interesting locations and sometimes under interesting circumstances. Yes. Yeah. Sorry for saying Sorry Media presents the Purr Podcast. The best podcast for feline medicine and surgery with tips, tricks, and updates for the entire veterinary healthcare team. If you're dying to know more about cats, keep on listening. Here are your hosts, Dr. Susan Little, famous cat vet and textbook author, and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein, talented surgeon and social media geek. Hello, this is Dr. Yola Kirpenstein. And this is Dr. Susan Little. And Susan, who do we have as a guest today? We have somebody with us that uh, we've wanted to have for a long time, and you're just really hard to get. I know. Yeah. It is so tough to get her in yeah. front of the microphone. So we're very lucky. We've got yes. Dr. Justine Lee with us today. Welcome. Thank you. Hi. So honored the to be featured. Amazing <laughs> Dr. Justine Lee. Nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. you for having me on. Uh, you're you're welcome. No, you're welcome. I mean I think you. Uh, I don't know when was the first time Ooh. that we met. It was a long time ago, but you know. I think we first met in Moscow at a circus <gasps> while lecturing. No, exactly at least it. four or five years ago. Yes, at yes. a circus. Yes, yes. We were, were you lecturing at circus. the circus? Or we had just finished lecturing, yes. and they took us out for a no night. No kidding. Of revelry yes. and uh, took all the veterinary speakers out and. There were, uh, yeah, so I'm not sure I've heard very many, uh, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say I met you at a circus in Moscow. That's true. You know, it was a very, very unique, unique beginning. That's yeah. where we tend to meet. You know, <laughs> you know, we tend to meet in, in strange locations. In strange and exotic well, this locations. This is true. Um, veterinary speakers um, do tend to meet in interesting locations and sometimes under interesting circumstances. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But I think it is, uh, you know, when you're in the, in the speaker's how do you call that? What, our bubble? Yeah, circuit. <laughs> then you tend to meet at the same spots, but they're in, everywhere in the world. Yeah, so, that's true. Everywhere in the world. And so, yeah. and I remember, you know, the the uh, at that time going to Moscow was interesting. It was kind of difficult to get your visa and that sort mm -hmm. of things. But when you're there, uh, it it just all falls away. So mm. I mean, there's there's. For me, it, the, the people, the veterinarians there, they were so passionate, and that's everywhere in the world. Yes, mm. yeah, I've discovered that too. Mm. And they really liked my talks, mm. because I talked about how you can use vodka to treat ethylglycol <laughs> poisoning. So okay, I know they had that. All right, okay, let's go there. So how do you use vodka to treat anti-glycol? So it is important, most people forget, but especially for cats, you only have three hours yeah. to treat an antifreeze poisoning. Yeah. If it's more than that, it's 100% fatality. Mm -hmm. And once they're azotemic, the prognosis is grave. And most of the time we use Femepazole or 4MP, but it's gotten so cost prohibitive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So a lot of vets will use ethanol instead. Mm -hmm. So it requires a lot of math, but that's why we took advanced calculus to get into <laughs> veterinary school. Mm -hmm. But we have to be able to calculate it to a 7% ethanol and run it at a 
CRI to help inhibit the alcohol dehydrogenase from metabolizing into the toxic metabolites. But I always say you only use clear vodka. You only use clear. <laughs> Some vets so, have said, can I use my rum beer flavored yeah, vodka? Yeah, no, there's so many vodkas now. Yes, this is only, only clear. Point. Only the clear yeah, one. Oh, that clear is so vodka. cool. And only Justine, because I remember, so, so we have a lot of things to talk about, but the one thing I, I remember is that you are so... Uh, when you when you talk, it's so practical. I oh, love thanks. that part. Thank so you. and 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 you really uh, know how to grasp your audience. Um, it's because I was a C student at Cornell, <laughs> and so and we talked about that. Yeah, not that you were a C student, but in <laughs> general that. So I, I I was interviewed by Dave Nichol for his uh, podcast, and one thing I said was. You are my inspiration of saying I was a C student uh, and see what you can become. With. Oh, thanks. Thank so. you. You know, it's it's interesting. I huh. had to study really hard. I always joked I studied, you know, one and a half to two times harder than my classmates because physiology, anatomy, it just didn't come innately to mm. me. And so it is actually interesting because a lot of vet students are shocked when they hear that I was a C student. But it made me realize, you know, if I can teach while I'm lecturing, and leave one or two clinical vignettes that's going to help improve the quality of life in that patient that's the most important thing yeah. and that's what you grasp when mm -hmm. you're a c student the mm -hmm. important stuff mm -hmm. ah, and, 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 I, and I, I think that's true and it, it refers also back to what we talked with beth green about she revolutionized uh, you know uh, publications mm -hmm. by focusing on you know, the clinical message yes. mm -hmm. and, what's and, clinically important and how how to emphasize what's clinically important and then fill it up with the rest. Yes, mm. I agree. So Keep it real. That's it. Keep it real. And the one thing you need to remember from this 45-minute lecture. Mm. Yeah, or, or, or what's it. the top three? That's a good, I and think so, it's a really good way to, mm -hmm. to, to uh, approach when we're trying to teach, whether it's vet techs or whether it's veterinarians, right? To keep your eye on the prize, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's the I think of it. Keep your eye on the prize. Yeah. yeah. Do you what's have cats yourself? at home? I do. Oh. So... <laughs> Interestingly enough, I've always been an advocate of having at least two cats. And right now I only have one cat, but um, my cat that I had since my internship, a cat named Seamus, who was an animal abuse case, had really severe squamous cell carcinoma. Ooh, and so only got about five, six weeks with him. Mm. And he was 19 and a half, so I was pretty oh happy gosh, with that's that. A great mm. life. But my other cat, Lily, was 13, and she died within five days of Seamus dying. No way. And I just happened to catch her collapse when I was cleaning her litter box. She was downstairs, and she had hemoabdomen secondary to mm. suspect pancreatic adenocarcinoma Aww. and had pulmonary mets. Aww. And so... It was really hard to lose two cats. I knew I was going to euthanize Seamus. but Too uh, long time. Yeah, cats. so that was really so hard quickly. to lose them so quickly within a short oh period of time. Mm. But as my dear friend said, I guess they wanted to be together. Oh. So, well, it does make you yeah. wonder, doesn't it? It does yeah. make you wonder that that relationship, maybe yeah. were they good together? Oh, they were great there together. There you go. So yeah. it makes you wonder if that, you yes. know, that was not a sustaining yes. thing to some degree, right? So I only have one cat now. I adopted a new cat who was just a... A black stray female Minneapolis street cat. Uh, she's named Lola, and she's amazing. She's so tolerant of my two-year-old toddler. So I joke she's the best cat ever. Aww. So we'll add another cat, but probably in a few years. Yeah. When the I time. like to space out their ages, yeah, as yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when the time is right. And I also have one dog. 
So one black and white uh, American pit bull terrier mix, Australian t- shepherd mix. So so uh, you and I both have sort of pit bull yes. mix dogs that look very know, which, similar, which look very similar. I think they're like brothers from another mother. Yes, or something, but mine right? is longer legs. <laughs> That's right. Mine is short legs, and hers is long legs. So yes, yeah, so so I, I think we're bonded over over the yes. dogs. But this is a point for us to tell you. There's a rule in this podcast. Yes, oh, yeah. I know the rule. Uh, yeah. No saying the dog 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 word. Okay. That's a bottle right there. Thank but, you. But I was just getting it out. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> but I think we'll give you like that little bit first because we talked about our dog. So okay. it's okay. But from here on in, you know. I haven't said the D word. No. Yet, right. so, no. You know. yep. So but I'm you, the recipient then. He Don't has, worry. He has before. So, you know, he's yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. You know, just okay. keep an eye on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So you have to be inventive now mm-hmm. if you want to refer to another species. I get it. Yes. But I also remember the before the D that you have now, you had a very special relationship. I did. Mm-hmm. I had, and everyone always says they have the world's best yes. pet, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And at one point in our life, we're going to have that one pet that's Oh, yeah. I believe and that. I always think it's life circumstance, but my previous dog was named Jamaica Plain or JP. And oh. it's named after the town where Angel is located, where you need a pit bull to cross across the street safely (laughs) and he passed away at 13 of a suspect glio brain tumor and I took Mm. him to CSU for stereotactic radiation therapy and actually got 13 months with him but Mm. uh, he was the world's best dog he was very very loyal very protective and yeah. Had transitioned me through a lot of, you know, life partners, different yeah. states that I moved mm. in. Right. So, right. yeah, um, he I, was I my window. I think you're dog. right. I think um, sooner or later in your life, almost most people, if we went out, you know, we're, we're at a vet conference now, if we, you know, asked an audience, they'd all say, mm. yeah, there there is that one. Absolutely. You know, it's not that you lo- don't love the others. Right. But there's, you, you'll all think of the For one. Sure. Right? For sure. Yeah. I had a little Georgia mini shepherd I picked up in Georgia when I was a student. A mini a, shepherd. A Georgia mini shepherd. Just a nut. But that's, you know, I called her Georgia mini shepherd because everybody said, oh, what kind of breed do you have? Oh. And I said, it's a very specific breed, Georgia mini shepherd. And they were like, oh, that's interesting. That's Where do you get those? And I said, in Georgia. You know, like Russia? No, no, Georgia in the U.S. And she was an amazing dog. There I go. And, uh, but, uh, and she died when she was 18. Oh, so, my gosh. And so, wow. so that bond that you have yeah. with, and, and through all those phases that you yeah. go, because she lived with me in Georgia, and then she went to Kansas, and then she went to yeah. Colorado, and back to Holland. I mean, it's just, yeah. you, 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 yeah. We it recently lost the family actually. cat at age 19, you know, and our kids don't remember time without her. Yeah, of course. You know, it's it's such a, they can live so long, right? Yeah. It's such a chunk of time. Yeah. And I've had clients say to me, oh, I've had that cat longer than I've had my husband, than my yep. kids. You know, they're that constant For sure. through your life. So it can be pretty traumatic to lose and, them. And it is really traumatic. And now we're getting to your profession too, is if something really traumatic or an emergency happens, uh, and you have to go to an emergency situation, and then we see you. Because that's where that's your background. Yes. Yeah. Emergency deal, critical care. And that's exactly yep. it. And people are so stressed in that situation. How do you deal with that? So it is hard. I will fully disclose. I work two days a week. So I work mm-hmm. part time at Animal Emergency and Referral Center in Minnesota. And for me, it's a great balance. I will say I definitely experienced compassion fatigue and burnout after doing ER for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I always say if it gets to a point where you don't want to drive to work, you don't want to be there, it's time to take a break. And whether or not that's going to industry or just take a couple mm-hmm. months off. But I love my job. And part of it is the interaction with the clients, knowing that. 
I've been on the other side of the table hearing that my beloved pet had some type of cancer. Mm. And so I always try to be the best advocate for the pet owner and for the pet. Um, and that still drives my passion for what I do. Um, I work with a phenomenal team of you know, VTS specialists in anesthesia to critical care to a ton of amazing emergency vets to a mm. ton of different specialists. So I feel very grateful as much as a lot of people are super burnt out. I still love what I do, um, mm. but I don't think I'd be able to say that if I did it seven days a week, mm. if I worked overnight. So I'm a huge advocate of self-care and really working on work-life balance in the process. And, and you talk about that quite a lot. But before we go there, I, I, I think that's the same thing um, at a certain point when, because I was a surgeon, did a lot of emergency surgery, where you have to get up always at 3 or 2 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> and I recognized uh, in my last year of, before I switched over to go to corporate, you know, I, 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 was not nice to myself I was not nice to the client I was mm -hmm. like why mm -hmm. am I here mm -hmm. and and recognizing the fact that I didn't enjoy that anymore mm -hmm. um, and and what an effect it had on me uh, it was quite an eye mm -hmm. opener mm -hmm. I have to say you talk about this to uh, young people to audience all over the world I think that that's that what is the message that you give them yeah so I think I give them hope mm -hmm. in that I was a C student mm -hmm. and I was never the type that thought I would be a small business owner I never had, you know, business training. My parents didn't have small businesses. And so I would like to feel like I'm imparting a passion that I tell vet students, even if you don't know what you want to do, you don't want to be a specialist, you don't want to do an internship, that's okay. But stay passionate with what you do, but mm -hmm. set guidelines. If you know that after X amount where you're getting frustrated or using physical force with an animal, that's when it's time to take a break. And I will say you're... There are vets out there who say, oh, I would never work in industry. And I would say, never poo-poo that. I took mm -hmm. five years off, went into industry, loved it. Mm. And so that's the best thing about being a vet. We have nothing but options in our we field. We have many ways to be a vet. Right. We can mm -hmm. teach. Yep. We can, you know. You can work for government. We you can, can work, work for government. corporate. Exactly. You can go to research. So, so many options so out many there. Options. That's what I love about my job. The Wind Feline Foundation has been funding cat health studies for 51 years. If you have a cat or have ever treated a cat, nearly everything we know was once funded by this nonprofit, totaling about $6.5 million. From understanding retroviruses, FELV and FIV, to more recently targeting gene defects responsible for HCM in the Ragdoll and Maine Coon breeds. The Wind Feline Foundation Pet Memorial Program offers veterinary professionals an opportunity to reassure clients that their beloved cats have not been forgotten. And those dollars support health studies that benefit the lives of all cats. Contributions totaling $150 or more receive a certificate suitable for framing or display in your clinic. Imagine being able to treat kidney disease more effectively, using stem cell therapy to cure stomatitis, or drugs to treat FIP are actually within grasp. Consider your support in telling your clients about the Wind Feline Foundation and a free newsletter at windfelinefoundation.org. And then I always say, be a big dreamer, but at the same time, learn to let go. Our classic Myers-Briggs personalities is INTJ, so we're mm -hmm. very hard on ourselves. And that's one important lesson I learned as a parent is 
learn to let go. You're never going to be able to do everything perfectly. You're not going to be the same efficient veterinarian that you used to be, especially as a parent. And don't get me wrong. I still make sure I'm doing a good job and I'm proud of what I've done. But do you have to make every single soap two pages long? Do you have to make the surgery report completely perfect no cut yourself some slack Mm. get home the more efficient you can be as a vet the better your quality of life perfect is the enemy of good exactly that's a nice phrase right Mm. and there's nothing wrong with good exactly there's nothing wrong with good yeah yeah I I, I like that concept I think it's important for young veterinarians to hear that Mm -hmm. because I think they leave school really feeling like there is one paradigm Right. You know, and you and they have to fit into right. that paradigm. I also think it's very freeing to reach the point in your career when you can say, "It's okay that I'm not perfect. It's okay that I don't mm-hmm. know everything." Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's it's empowering to realize that, as long as you say, "Okay, but I do know how to figure it out, right. or I do know where to get the answer." Exactly. Really empowering. Yeah. Cut, I think young vets need to hear that. Yeah, cut yourself a break. Yeah, learn to let go. Obviously, work hard. Um, and I always say, treat each pet the way you would if it was your own dog or your own cat. Oops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I always say we're always taught the ivory tower way of doing things yeah. because that's the highest level and we should be trained that way because it quickly unravels once we go into private practice. Yeah. And you'll find your way of practicing. Um, you know, there's so many different ways, but I always say if there's five different ways of doing things, there's no right, perfect way. You just right. have to learn to figure out the best way right. that works for you. And it may be situational, you know, what works best in one situation. Mm-hmm. So I think that's another good message. There isn't always like one way to do it, sure. right? And it, and I, I think often young vets feel, okay, if I can't do it exactly the way I was taught in school, then it's not good enough. Right. You know, um, I feel at fault. I'm mad at the owner because mm-hmm. they can't do it. But in the end, we still have to meet the animal's needs. Yep. So if it's another pathway, maybe that's okay. Yep, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, really good messages. Switching topics a little bit, the top five feline emergencies Ooh, that yes. you see in your practice. Okay. Yes. So ah. interestingly enough, and I will say this because I'm also a toxicologist. Yeah. I will definitely add poisons mm-hmm. to my top five, but probably the bottom five. The number one is always the vomiting cat, whether yeah. or not it's acute or chronic. <laughs> and Susan knows it's amazing how tolerant even veterinary professionals are of vomiting. I vomiting know. once a week for a cat oh, is not, not normal. normal. <laughs> it's a workup. Come on. So yeah, I, see, so right. <laughs> I see acute vomiting. Yeah. And usually it's pancreatitis or foreign body. It has to be something significant for them to bring in their cat. It, yes. Um, because they have such a high tolerance for vomiting. The second thing I would say. And it's not the cat. It's the owner. It's yeah, the yeah, owner. yeah. Of course. Mm-hmm. The second thing, sadly, in the intensive care unit, the critical care unit, is organ failure. So I would typically Mm. say congestive heart failure with dyspneic cats that come in that need a thoracocentesis that have underlying heart disease or underlying organ failure where it's, you know, acute and chronic renal failure. Um, The third thing would probably, unfortunately, be neoplasia. So I probably sadly diagnose one case of cancer every shift in a cat, Mm. which is frustrating. Mm. Um, we definitely get some good ones, so trauma. So I'm an advocate of keeping cats indoors, but I live in a, a metro area, so I see a lot of trauma from cats that are hit by a car or attacked by a dog, dog. or shot by a bow and arrow, um, or depending on where you live, you know, attacked by a coyote. So trauma would be uh, the fourth one. Mm. And then the fifth one is toxins. Mm. Even though 90% of the calls to ASPCA are dogs, and they're usually Labradors and mixed breed dogs. Because mm. <laughs> they eat everything. Exactly. 10% are cats. Yeah. Wow. And 
it's hard because of their altered glucuronidation in their liver, because of their altered hemoglobin, and because of their curiosity. When they do get into a poison, it can be quite significant. So lilies, Easter time. there's a big one. Mm. You know, and it's amazing what cats will eat. I once had a cat who ate 200 capsules of vitamin D. No. And I went to the owner, I went into the room with the owner, I was like, 200? With like this, no way, look Are on my face. Serious? And she brought me the bag. She's like, yep, all of them. No <laughs> way. So, you know, there are some gluttonous cats out there. Wow. And the unique thing about cats is we know they vomit all the time at home. Yeah. But when you're trying to induce yeah. emesis. They will not vomit. They pucker up their lower esophageal sphincter <laughs> and do not vomit. Yeah. So it can be hard to induce mm-hmm. emesis in a cat. We only recommend dexmedetomidine or some type of alpha adrenergic. Yeah. It's also hard to tube a cat charcoal. But those would be the, the top five yeah, yeah. cases uh, I see of cats. So what is the attraction to lilies in cats? It's any plant material. Yeah. So they're just so curious. They want to chew on anything. And so it's frustrating. I'm really passionate about educating owners about lily poisoning. Mm -hmm. There was a study that came out of Jaha about four years ago now. And don't quote me on exact numbers, but 60% of cat owners could identify a lilium or hemorrhalis. They knew the species. They didn't realize it was poisonous until their cat vomited it up and they looked on the internet. Mm. And... Uh, about 45 to 50 percent of cat owners didn't know it was poisonous and this was four years ago yeah and you you know we would think the message would be out right right? so this is a failure of veterinary professionals to Mm. get that information out so it's any kind of plant material i'd like to get floors online with this too wouldn't it be nice if lilies you know uh uh i had a sticker on them you know that that I think could could go a long way. It only takes one class action lawsuit. We can I, do it. Hey, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. But but it, that is a that is a good one to tackle because they it takes very little. Yes. Uh, of a lily. Exactly. Yeah, mm. that's the issue, right? It takes very little to to make it toxic mm. to a cat. No, that, yeah. that, that's amazing. So let's switch over another topic. The amazing work you do with Vetco. Ah, okay. how did that start? Mm. So. Because it's not like you had nothing to do. Yes, yes. just <laughs> well, edit on. No. Well, in 2003, I was studying for my emergency critical care boards. Mm-hmm. And like I mentioned before, I was not a good test taker. Yeah. So I was studying 13 hours a day and <laughs> wanted someone to read me a journal article through my Walkman while I was running with my dog or hiking with my dog just for a break. Yeah. And there was no technology like that at that time. Mm-hmm. And when I sat for my toxicology boards, in 2011, I felt the same way. Why isn't there technology where someone can read me a toxicology article or a book chapter? And that's when I reached out to Garrett Pachtinger, a fellow criticalist, in 2011 and told him the idea of Vet Girl. And I had modeled it and named it that after my favorite podcast, Grammar Girl, oh. which are five to 10 minute podcasts on grammar, like effect versus effect, oh. semicolon versus colon. and. Grammar Girl then spun off to Money Girl and I did not know that. A couple of other I podcasts out there. So that's why we named it that. And so we started the company in 2012, released it to the veterinary public in July of 2013. So it's only about five and a half years old. Oh my god. And so we And give some stats how it is now because it's quite amazing. Sure, it's it's been really exciting. We feel so well supported by the veterinary community. But um, we are now the number one online veterinary continuing education platform out there. We've released podcasts for the past five and a half years, mm-hmm. and we've, we're honored to say we've had over 2.1 million downloads in those wow. five years. Wow. And that was just on iOS devices. Yeah, not even, not even Stitcher ah. or Android mm-hmm. devices. 
and it's been really fun uh, since when we first started in 2013 we had 12 hours of CE a year mm. and then the next year was 20 hours of race approved webinars a year and we're excited in 2019 not only did we add our traditional small animal track but we added a large animal yeah. track a leadership track a veterinary te- technician track and now we offer a hundred hours plus of ce a year wow. that you can watch from the comforts of home that is that just is awesome. amazing so it's that been fun awesome. that, that is, is just awesome. amazing and you do a conference now you we have do. Yeah. Oh, so and we... it was amazing <laughs> i just you. have to say it was amazing <laughs> everything she touches is gold no. this was no, truly. It was one of the best conferences I've Thank been to. You. Oh, Thank all you. All I've done is seen the pictures, but, but it looked amazing. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. What? And I was thinking, so the Mall of America, and, 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 <laughs> and I have to walk through all this. But it was awesome. Thank oh, you. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah. We, you know, our mojo is online CE, but... So it was a little scary? It was scary, but we also wanted to create a boutique veterinary Mm. experience as a way of giving back to our fan base. Mm. And this was for our most rabid fans uh, who were, you know, following us from the beginning. Exactly. (laughs) Like Yola. And so we have a huge Facebook following. We're at over 170,000 organic likes uh, or fans. Our Instagram's almost 70,000 people, and we've... Um, never paid for any advertising uh, on Instagram. We paid two hundred and fifty dollars for our initial Facebook group just to get up to a thousand people, and yeah. then since then, so it's been so incredible to see uh, grow, and I feel really mm. blessed. Mm. Well, it shows you that you are onto something. Thanks. I think you're onto Thanks. something. Um, I love the fact that technology has enabled us to help people learn in different ways. Absolutely. You know, isn't this true? Because we're, uh, I mean, as you say, you're a good example. Uh, it's nothing to do with intelligence. Mm-hmm. It's just to do with your skill set. And resources. A- and resources, right. absolutely. So one of the other things that I love about uh, companies like yours in technology is that people who are in countries where yes. it's harder to access yep. education now actually yes. can access mm-hmm. quality yep. education. Yeah, and that's, that's what I love That's amazing to me. Our podcasts have been downloaded in 170 countries, and that's in it. our podcasts are free. Mm-hmm. And they used to be locked um, to a subscription, so we just released them three years ago, but we've had people from Malaysia yeah. to Egypt to sure. Afghanistan come up to us and say yeah. thanks for the podcast. And so it's each podcast, as you know, is so much work. Mm-hmm. A lot of ours mm-hmm. are <laughs> clinical vignettes of journal articles. Yeah. And so you know, I always tell people each podcast even though it's only 10 minutes to 20 minutes, can be three to four hours of work. So absolutely, absolutely. definitely labor absolutely. love. So kudos mm. to you guys for what mm. you're doing with Per Podcast. And it's interesting <laughs> that we started because we were like, there's nothing there for just cat. talking about cats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so, and, and it, it has been a roller coaster. It takes a lot of time, but it's also a labor of love because I, yeah. This is my favorite part of it's the awesome. day. Yeah, of what so, we do. This is know, really fun. At 10 p.m., I'm like, oh, now I can do my podcast <laughs> so, Or in the plane, I'm playing with. Because, I'm, you know, we we all have really busy jobs. Yes. Yeah. And you do this as a passion that's yeah. in yeah. there. And, and the other thing that I think is so amazing is the family of friends yeah. that surround these yeah. kind of things that yeah. are on the yes. edge. Yeah. You know, we, we call it for fun animal farm you know <laughs> and, and the people that are there they all have the same passion yep. in different spaces yeah. but it's just wonderful yeah. yeah and I always say our personalities as specialists as veterinarians is we're workaholics mm. but I always say and my husband knows this too I call it 
being a work of frolic. If it brings Ooh, you I joy, like that that's what you should do. Ooh, I like that. I'm going to try that with my husband. And if it doesn't bring you joy, <laughs> then you shouldn't do it. Yeah. Right? But if it makes yeah. you happy, it's something you're passionate about, stay with it. Yeah. I think that's a really good message to veterinarians, too, mm-hmm. because maybe, maybe it's not podcasting, right? But maybe there's something... Um, in the veterinary world that will bring you joy. I know for a lot of people, it's like volunteering at the shelter, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, it's some, So a lot of our, of the my team um, volunteer at our local shelter, That's you know, great. and they'll do a spay-a-thon or something like that, you know, or they'll get involved with an adoption group That's or great. that. So it's kind of in your world, but it's a really different part of your mm-hmm. world, right? So I think it's important to look for those opportunities mm-hmm. that, that really do feel, feel feed your passion. All right, this was a great podcast and so, so for the first one it's uh well I'm, I'm super excited that in two yeah. weeks we'll have the next one yes so, yes yes because we just can't have enough of you i you know, know. Yeah. That, that's Sounds exactly great. it so uh, thank you so much for this one. of course thank you so much stay tuned yeah the opinions of this podcast are those by dr susan little and dr yola kerpenstein veterinary medicine is a complex profession and often there are multiple diagnostic and therapeutic options for different disease processes If you're a pet owner with questions, please go to your local veterinarian. If you're a veterinary professional, ask your questions on our Instagram page, at Her Podcast. Dr. Susan Little is a feline medicine specialist with two cat-only hospitals in Ottawa, Canada. She is best known as an international speaker and as the author and editor of two textbooks, The Cat, Clinical Medicine and Management, and August, Consultations in Feline Internal Medicine. Along with three cats, she also admits to owning two dogs, and you can follow her on social media with the handle at CatVetSusan. Dr. Yola Kirpenstein is a diplomate of the American and European College of Veterinary Surgeons and a big cat fan. His specialties range from surgical oncology and reconstruction to minimally invasive surgery. He is the author of two textbooks on basic and reconstructive surgery. Did you know he was allergic to cats? Yola works currently at Hills Pet Nutrition. You can follow him on social media with the handle at GBE. TSX. 